welcome everybody to Sharpen That Axe, hey, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. Do you know what episode this is? I don't, John. Do you? I, I do. should know. The, the, what number, I should say. I mean, this is, yeah. this is episode 20. 20? Good God. 20. We are, we are probably about half the number of episodes of half the age of half of our listeners. See if you can figure that out. That made my brain hurt. Our podcast is almost old enough to drink uh, in, in America where the laws are crazy. Um, and, you know, I don't know. Let's not go into that. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome to my father who is possibly listening to this. He was like, what are you doing with your life? And I said, well, I've kind of got a podcast now. And he looked it up on his phone right there in front of him. He's like, huh, seems that you do. <laughs> uh, I, didn't, I didn't win his love or approval, but, you know, that's going to take at least another 20 years. So uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, that was a little brief insight into Dylan's private life. That's a bad uh, story, Dylan. That makes my sense. It is. Maybe we'll add to it every week and build this like tragic comedy, you know, with me and my father. Uh, hi, Dad. Anyway, uh, <laughs> if you hear the chipperness in my voice, it is because I'm no longer bogged down with my master's thesis dissertation. Yeah. I told the people that would be the last time we would talk about it. But I know. I know. But like, listen, listen, listen to me. It's so, such a life-defining moment. It will it'll probably forever be in your ears. Absolutely. I'm so full of of happiness uh john how are you doing over in colorado i am sipping some coffee business is booming at the teaching studio so we're we hired a new teacher struggling through that whole process so it's good it's good but uh the, yeah it's busy how about great you? that's good yes no good i played my first slot at a open mic last night in a cafe in limerick my hometown in Ireland, international listeners. And uh, after the, first, the last six weeks of not really playing music to focus on this MA, it was nice. But boy, I am rusty. So super yeah, goddamn. I feel that. I feel that. Yeah. Well, you play guitar pretty much for a living, John, if not teach it. So, you know. Yeah, but uh, you have no excuse. Your, your master's in musicology kind of prevents you from practicing and or playing as much as you should. So that's absolutely, it's quite the punch in the dick. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to now listen to John's lick of the week, which he has uh, sent to me. So bracing ourselves, I'm going to do that. Cool. If, if I left it going, it, we would have just gotten too rowdy. We really would have. Yeah. <laughs> We're in here. You, you can't see us because this isn't a video, but yeah, already headbanging and jumping around. Like I honestly think that that was one of the last albums, like physical copies of a CD I ever bought. <clears throat> and I just, I, I remember when that album came out, I saw, I got a voucher for some CD store. Uh, by the way, this is in So I Watch You From Afar with uh, Set Guitars to Kill, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an easy one, John. Yeah, yeah. I know, I know. It's but uh, it's it's a good segue. So so when we get to it, uh, but go ahead and continue. Yeah, no, I I I, I love this band, and so much from far. Uh, we well, we're not going to spoil anything, but let's just say you should listen to more. And so I watch you from afar, listeners. Uh, a Northern Irish post rock, math rock, all kinds of rock band. Yeah, Fantastic yeah. bunch of lads. Uh, yes, excellent. So, in segue, beautiful segue, nimble segue into pedal talk. Uh, 
Yeah, so um, for, for those of you who don't know or aren't familiar with, say, post-rock, the post-rock guitar players are usually known for massive pedal boards. Um, yeah. You can look up both Niall Kennedy and Roy Fryers, and you can see their massive pedal board walkthrough. Um, and it's, it's fantastic. So, um, which is exactly why I chose these guys to kind of segue into our latest pedal board challenge. So, um, you want to kick that off, Dylan? Give us, give us the rules. Okay. So this is a few weeks ago. We did something a bit different. We, we basically gave ourselves a budget of 350, whatever is dollars, euros, probably not yen. And it, we were confined within that to design a pedal board using our own pedals. I mine was, was 250, sir. 250. Yeah. God. Super cheap. My, Super mine cheap. was uh, admittedly amateur and John was uh, much more thought out. But if you go back to a few episodes ago, we do have those uh, listed out. Uh, so now we're doing something the opposite. Essentially, we're doing a money's no object board, which is limited to four pedals, I believe we just agreed on. Yeah, four pedals. So even though you can spend as much as you want, the idea of four pedals really makes you have to think like you have a limited number of pedals that you can use. Yes, uh, so you can't play in a post-rock band if you have these. Right. <laughs> Them's the rules. Okay. Okay, so, so John, I started off last time like a fool, uh, and now it is time for, for you to, to do the honors. Right. So kind of the big thing that I'm thinking here is I want to keep as much versatility as possible with four pedals. We still had, do we have rules that one of them, we had to have at least one gain and one delay? Was that, that it? Was it. Yeah, that, yeah, those were, so, so, them were I mean, also the rules. Yeah, really strict rules on an, everything you can spend. So, but it's, it still makes for an interesting four pedal pedal board. Mm -hmm. So the first thing I went for, and this will be kind of obvious for everybody, would probably be the, the Strymon timeline. So if you're yeah. not familiar with the Strymon timeline, you should be. Basically, it does kind of a little bit of everything in terms of a delay, well as slight oscillators on the back end of the delay, ring modulators, all these sorts of things. I did see one review, though, that said, you know, essentially recommendations, buy it if you can. And when not to buy it is basically if your tap tempo confuses you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so which basically it's... It, the the timeline will do anything you want it to, but you've got to be able to program it into it. I, I find I've I've had a look at things on it online, and the more I see it online, the less it terrifies me. But on yeah. first glance, it 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 was like it was like fifty edges in one. Yeah, uh, it's it's like how <laughs> you have to learn how to program a supercomputer. That's not yeah. what it is, but that's what it. That's kind of what it looks like at first. So yeah, and uh, how much are they retailing for, John? Um, you can get them for about four hundred used. So four hundred dollars. Um, euro dollars. Okay, euro euro dollars, not pounds. Yeah. <laughs> right, not, not pounds. pounds. And uh, next pedal number two. I went for a compressor, and part of the reason for that was because it can really beef up your clean tone a little bit. But also, okay. if you need an extra boost for a solo or a clean boost, you can also do that. Now, with a compressor, okay, interesting. Yeah, you, I mean, should you use a compressor as a clean boost? Not necessarily, but you can kind of turn up the volume or the gain on it, the, the post gain, and, and you can get a little bit of a, a push if you need to. And since we're, we have a limited number of pedals on the board, I can't do a clean boost and a compressor. So, okay. so um, what compressor are you going for? I'm going to go with a Keeley four knob compressor, which you can get for about 150 new. And, okay. or I mean used. It's about 200 to 20. 
uh, new, about 150. Mm -hmm. So I actually have one of these. That was kind of cool, but I was like, you know what? I like my compressor. <laughs> it's yeah. a really good compressor. And, you know, it's not, you're not, there is a Keeley something or other compressor that's, I don't know, I think that's in the neighborhood of 400. But to be perfectly honest, I couldn't see the difference really between the two and why you would necessarily want one over the other. It's not like the other one is valve driven or tube driven for that matter. So for you American listeners, everybody else in the world calls them valves. Ah, so yes. over here we call them tubes. Educate um, them. Anyway, uh, after that, the I went with a, a dual overdrive pedal. Sir Eclipse. Now, if you've seen the Riot pedal, um, the Riot pedal yeah. is kind of like a modded beefed up 808. It's, a, it's an awesome pedal, but the Eclipse kind of incorporates some of that circuitry into it, but then you've got two gain stages that you can play with. So that runs about 250. And in terms of diversity and flexibility, it's one of your best options. Really? Uh, okay. You can dial in the gain. I got to look that up. Yeah. And the last one, I needed something a little bit weird on there. So on Don't my, spoil it for me, John. You're getting a wah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know me so well. Yeah. So well. The, as you know, a while back when we talked about our own pedal setups, I have a Earthquaker Devices Afterneath. Um, yes. The reverb pedal, which I really like because it just does some weird echoey stuff on the back end. And it sounds like you... You know, if you've ever thrown a rock into a cave and it just sort of, the sound just bounces around and then it's all weird, that's kind of what the afterneath does. Um, and as you, if you know anything about Earthquaker devices, they do weird things. So mm -hmm. instead of going for a reverb, though, because they do have a couple of awesome reverbs, the really the timeline kind of covers most of what you're going to need in terms of delay, echo, and now I'm not going to say reverb, but it gives you some of that cavernous sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reverb. So I chose not to go with the Strymon Reverb, the Big Sky or Blue Sky? Big Sky. Big Sky, Big Sky. Yeah. yeah. But instead, I went with a chorus pedal. This is not your average, this is not your... Chorus, the other C word. Yeah, uh, sorry, come on. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not your Tom Schultz chorus pedal, you know? So the guitarist from Boston. Um, Thank you for a lot. I was like, who the hell is Tom <laughs> I really wish I knew more Boston songs. So yeah, putting it all together then, Earthquaker Devices, chorus pedal. I went with the Sea Machine chorus pedal, which you can get used for a measly 150. Um, the okay. thing about this is it's got a whole bunch of other things like low-pass filters. You've got a whole variety of different controls that you can kind of play around with that just give you some really bizarre sounds. I'd say go ahead and look it up. It can be pretty basic, and on the other hand, because it's Earthquaker, it can get really extreme uh, and give you just some, some cool things to play around with, and that's, that's why I decided to go with that. Something just a little bit out there, little little tweak on the pedal board to do something different. So Okay. I like these choices, John. They're not like I was expecting, you know, boutique, you know, thousand euro pedals, and this is, these are all very sensible. You know, not too. Uh, uh, so, how much together would that? Board uh -oh. cost? Let's see. Let's let's do the maths real quick. That's. Uh, I like how you added S at the end of math there. To yeah. make <laughs> You're rubbing off on me, Dylan. You're rubbing You're off. You're doing it right. Unlike the rest of you, America right. uh, and Canada. So anyway, that's that's about nine fifty. I think is what okay. that comes to. So. Uh, no, the I, max. One thousand fifty. That's one thousand fifty. Okay. 
cheaper than XFX. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or you could go ahead and you could say, buy the Kemper and then throw these in front of the Kemper. There you go. Ah. And that'd be That's about the not- same as an XFX, I guess. There you go. If you have a grand to spare, consider it. <laughs> right. Very good. So we are going a few, we have done two technique centered episodes before we did one on uh, bending and we did one on vibrato, I believe. Yes. Those were our two ones. Cool. So we're doing something a bit, John's nodding at me when he coughs. Uh, we're doing something. We're going, we're going to do another technique focused episode on legato. So I have, Lovingly titled this episode Legat Oh Yeah. Or I'm, Oh No. Or No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, we're going to have to start over. No, that's not. Uh, so, Legato, John, do you, as a teacher, a man of the world and a teacher, what would you, what would you, te- how would you go about teaching Legato? Or if a student came to you and asked you what it was, what is it? Literally, for, for those of you who don't know, and you should, shame on you. It just means smooth. Um, so and in, in the term, in a musical terminology, it, it's kind of the opposite of a staccato. A staccato, that punchy sound, whereas the legato is that smooth note. Flowy. Right. So now this is different than, um, say, something like on the violin, where a legato line is just a smooth, usually just a single bow. You know, yeah. you just bow down and you just keep playing. And sort of same thing in the, on a piano where you just kind of keep a flowing line, flowing phrase together. Typically when we're talking about this sort of playing on guitar, we're talking, sometimes it includes slides, we're not talking about that today, but typically we're talking about hammer-ons and pull-offs. So a legato line might include some picked notes, let's say you're doing uh, three notes per string, kind of a scale type pattern, and you're just playing mm-hmm. up but that means obviously you're going to have to pick that first string yeah. of the time. You don't have to, but a lot of times most players will in those situations. So basically we're talking about hammer-ons and pull-offs. Now what are hammer-ons and pull-offs? I think most people will know what hammer-ons and pull-offs are. Most people would if they're, if they're listening to this. But I think one of the things that's usually a misconception is a pull-off does not mean just literally lifting your finger off of the string. Mm. Uh, and that's usually a problem I see with most people is they, they can do that. But when it comes to really trying to play big legato lines, they, they struggle with getting that pull off to sound loud enough f- to continue the phrase. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things to focus on that is just to make sure that your finger sort of catches the top part of that string as you're pulling off. Um, and a couple of ways you can do that and just in practicing take say the second or third string and when uh, do four fingers and when you've got your four fingers do a pull off on each one landing on the string below it. So because uh-huh. um, really what you're doing then is you're grabbing that string and then as you progress what you end up doing is you end up pulling the string you're still pulling the string down but it's in kind of this down and out motion um, instead of just popping your finger off. Um, huh. You're really getting the the movement of the hand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That that helps you to sort of build up um, the volume because ultimately what you want to aim to do is make sure that your hammer-ons and your pull-offs are the same volume and then you can control them. And someone to watch for that. Yes, players. Okay, well, of course, uh, you could probably guess who I'm going to name first, maybe. The H-bomb. No, no. 
Not Alan Holdsworth? <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Alan Holdsworth yeah. would be a good one. Um, and I was, I was going to name him, but I was actually going to start with Steve Vai. Steve Vai, yeah. Okay. <laughs> he actually... Vai alarm. Yeah. <laughs> there should be like a great big siren that goes off. He had one of those. A, a dive bomb. Boom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and some weird... I'm here, bitches. Vaguely atonal lick. That should be our new theme music. Yeah. Well, you just did it right there. It's been recorded now. It is forever lost in the archives of this podcast. Absolutely. We'll never uh, see it again. Uh, so, John, any particular examples of... Yeah, I think of like the, that opening run from Shy Boy by David yeah. Lee Roth. That's a great legato exercise. Yeah, well. there's... I mean, obviously, like, the, Steve Vai does a lot of it. Um, and as I said, you can, you can sort of incorporate slides into this um, because that is part of the smooth playing. So this idea yeah. of not picking a note or minimal picking um, both he and Satriani do a lot of that. And if you're looking at Steve Vai, if you look up his sort of comments on uh, hammer-ons and pull, hammer-on and pull-offs um, in his workouts, because he has his 10-hour workout and his 30-hour workout, and his 30-hour workout is just a rehash of the 10-hour workout three times over. So, <laughs> yeah. It does make sense. Dylan's, Dylan's eyes rolled into the back of his head there for a second. Don't yeah, worry. Temporarily blind. There. However... Uh, when he talks about it, um, it is actually pretty, um, pretty informative. Just, just this kind of um, the, as I said, the idea of being able to control it, and that's that's really kind of where I got that concept of being able to control the volume of your hammer-ons and pull-offs. Um, and then, of course, Alan Holdsworth. If you can get past the syntax or anything that doesn't have the syntax, which I currently can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's, ugh, and I don't blame you because I'm, yeah, I think most people will feel this way about the syntax. Like if you can get past that or find some of his later stuff where he's not playing the syntax, um, the, his, his legato technique is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and he's usually doing four, four notes per string. And now he might do some sort of like octuplet there, or, well, I guess that's a 32nd note. Um, but anyway, yeah, those those would be a few of the big ones that I that come to mind immediately. I always go oh. for um, when I think of when I think of great legato. Well, you've got I always think of you know Van Halen, obviously, mm. uh, with uh, like that hot for teacher opening. Oh yeah, you know the the tapping legato, uh, but also uh, Dimebag is a big one for me. Just uh, just uh, <laughs> it reminds me like when when you just see him like his left hand going. It kind of reminds me of that scene from Spinal Tap where he's like, ah, you know, you can go away, you can have a bite, come back. Uh, yeah, Dimebag and Randy Rhodes would be two of my favorite legatists. I just made up a word, but I'm leaving it. Uh, just incredible it technique. Now. I mean, yeah. But the thing is, you have people like people like Zach Wilde who would be known for their alternate picking. And it's very, you know, impressive. But then you just see dying by just using one hand and you're like oh that's still so cool as well and the stretches he gets yeah crazy crazy stretches um so yeah those would be my people to go to so yeah legato that's that's basically it we've got we've got it covered times so now we're, we're moving on to our next weekly segment which is what we've been working on so john have you been working on anything legato or otherwise uh, actually just kind of going back and, uh, revisiting some, some chord shapes. 
and some modal ideas as well. So oh, yeah. uh, jazz chord inversions, for example. Um, Have you looked at any, uh, any of Jens Larson? Yeah, actually, that was one of the things that kind of inspired me. Ex-guest of the podcast. Right. He had, he had a video that had, I think, 10 voicings for a C major 7 or something like that. And I, was like, I saw that. I should probably go back and just review some of those ideas. But instead of just a C major 7, it was kind of like, what other things can I play minor sevens, minor seven, flat fives, minor nines, whatever, you know? Um, and, and I've said it before, I, I think in the last month or so, but I've, I've kind of gotten into these two and three note chord ideas. Mm. Um, and so just being able to kind of see those shapes around the fretboard has been, yeah, that's, that's kind of one of the big things I've been working on. Good one. Um, from myself, I've been, well, I had my first uh, acoustic slot. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, I am a singer-songwriter. You can find me on, on, on Spotify, et al., iTunes and everything. But I have, I'm trying to, I've got three songs that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to finish, and finish off. And one of them is a, it's a slap song. Uh, just, uh, and I, what I'm doing is I've kind of got this, I, it was originally a 16th note, like straight 16th note rhythm of me tapping with my uh, kind of doing this. I'm just basically on the fretboard. It's like a tick, 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 thing. And I thought it sounded great. And then I brought it to my backing band yesterday and I showed them. And my drummer was like, Do you want to swing it? And he's like, And I was like, tick, 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 tick. And I was like, Oh my God, my brain. So I basically <laughs> listened to our, our recordings yesterday and trying to make something out of that. So basically, kind of writing riffs around different rhythms uh, i've also been going to youtube and using drum tracks instead of like the whole drum machine thing to try and write some stuff and i find it really really beneficial uh it's like you're just jamming with a drummer except you don't have to book a practice space right <laughs> and you know they don't they don't uh you know go out for a cigarette every 30 seconds like most drummers and <laughs> I, I actually use those a lot i mean i use them a lot for teaching but also just if if i've got 10 minutes that i just i need to kill something and just like i need an idea i need a jam or i'm working on a scale like oh, so heavy up. yeah so good for your timing uh when you know we've, we've stressed before the importance of a metronome but sometimes a metronome gets really fucking boring yeah so, absolutely just type in your bpm into youtube and there will be a drum track of it what a time to be alive <laughs> You can have a whole backing um, band if you want. And yeah, you <laughs> go uh, without having to hire anybody. Uh, what what have you been listening to, John? Have you been uh, checking out any guitar music lately? Yeah. Um, how about like have have you ever heard of Christophe Godin? I the name rings a bell. He's kind of like a G fusion, right? Yeah, I do fusion metal rock. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. Anyway, but um, fantastic player. Uh, he's kind of, uh, I mean, I would definitely put him up there with people like Guthrie Govan. Um, but he's based out of France, which is probably why most Americans aren't as familiar with him. Now, there might be a few of you guitar nerds out there who know exactly who this guy is, which if you don't, go check him out. His band for a long time, I believe, is pronounced more global, but it's that M with an umlaut, O-R, and then it's G-L-B-L. -L. So, That's pronounced Motley Crue, John. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hear umlaut. Anyway. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, but he's a fantastic player um, and really great melodic line. So his solo sections are absolutely mind blowing, but his melodies are really singable. Um, okay. Which I think is, is really cool. So a lot That's of super important. shred guitar guys, uh, people like Buckethead are just kind of hard to follow. Like, okay, it's really amazing. Not sure where you're going with it, but yeah, his stuff Thanks, is Rusty Cooley. <laughs> exactly. No, no Rusty. we can't do one episode without making some enemies, can we? Uh, <laughs> don't sue us. Uh, sweet, that sounds great. I, I have to check. The, I'm, I'm all about the the melodic sort of side of shred. I think if you can if you can sing it, it's it's good in my book. Um, as for me, I've been, I was listening to uh, another podcast, a much more uh, esteemed podcast, Mark Marin, who does these podcasts, he does interviews with people out of his, out of his garage, uh, or garage, as you might say in the States. And Mr. I, I, Duh. Yeah, and he's in <laughs> Mr. Frenchman. And <laughs> Call he, it a car hole. <laughs> a counterfeit jeans operation operating out of my car hole. <laughs> Uh, guitar nerds you're probably Simpsons nerds as well uh, you are our people uh, yeah so he he's a big Mark Marin is a big rock fan and he has a lot of musicians on he loves talking guitars because he's an amateur guitar player himself and I listened to the an interview we did a couple of weeks back with uh, Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Jr oh wow and yeah that sent me on another yet another Dinosaur Jr rabbit hole and Man, uh, there's a few, like if you look at any live sessions, his pedals are, his pedal board itself is amazing. He says, but like the basis is like, yeah, everybody up the front row is just, you know, there to have a look at Jay's pedals because he just, he makes his guitar sound amazing. Um, he's one of those really like indie grunge alternative acts that could really, really shred. And yeah, yeah I, 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 they 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 put out an album last year and it's great. It's just really good, chunky riffs with the, the lead lines are just, so good and once again very hummable so yeah that's dinosaur jr and that that's basically it uh for the last three or four days um there's a they've got a big back catalog but yeah that's that's basically us for this week guys thank you very much um new listeners old listeners uh it's really nice getting little facebook notifications that people are liking the podcast um not like yeah. you know it's such and such his birthday i don't care but oh we got new followers on, on the podcast happy birthday um so yeah which is great thank you very much we've got some really really cool stuff coming up in the next few weeks uh, ladies and gents mostly gents yeah. uh genting gents uh so yeah we've got interviews we've got more technique focus eye foci focuses focuses and yeah anything else john you'd like to add uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be, you'll be seeing some, some updates uh, on the website, on our Facebook page, new logos, all sorts of fun stuff coming in the, in the new months. And um, yeah, merchandise, like that's, that's down the road here too. So absolutely. Let's hopefully friends, in time for Christmas. Ooh. Friends, if we put out a, a t-shirt for the podcast that says, don't skip Pinky Day, is that, what would you think? Let us know. We were, you know, we're like, it sounds a little bit filthy, but it's really not. Yeah. Uh, so if we, you know. <laughs> Hashtag don't skip pinky day. Don't skip pinky day. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Uh, yeah. That, we can make that a thing. And you damn guitar hipsters could get involved with it. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, etc. cetera. Um, yeah. Hopefully. And if there's, oh, go ahead. No, if there, we had um, with our interviews that we've been doing, if there's anything you can't hear, just put a comment on our page and ask, hey, I missed this part, or can you list these things? And we'll be more than happy to comply. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, leave us a review too. That helps out huge. So yeah, we're just telling you to do all these things. Just go, yeah. obey, don't question. Yeah, just yeah. <laughs> yeah. love us forever. That's all we really want at the end of the day. Reviews help us out. They get us noticed. And who doesn't want to get noticed? So that's, that's why we play guitar in the first place, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were nerdy in school. Um, okay, friends, stay sharp. <laughs> See you next week.